Hallo und willkommen zum WorkSmart Hypnosis Podcast mit Ihrem Gastgeber Jason Linnett. Viel Spaß. Welcome to the WorkSmart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Linnett, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Now that's how you kick off a podcast. Welcome back. It's Jason Lynette here. This is Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 32, all about foreign language hypnosis clients. And a big thank you, of course, to Sten Niels Muscha over in Germany for recording that guest introduction for the program today. Uh, be sure to check out Sten's great website, uh, hypnosettermen.com. H-Y-P-N-O-S-E-T-E-R-M-I-N.com. I'll put a link to that over in the show notes. Stan, thank you so much for that great introduction. And the program today is actually a clip from a class that I just uh, began teaching this past weekend, where the question popped up from a brand new hypnosis student, what do you do if someone calls and English is perhaps their second, or really in her specific case, it's her fourth language. So how do you work with someone where English is not perhaps the native language? And in this session, I'm going to share with you some thoughts that I have, as well as some interesting stories of times where I've been very successful doing that, as well as, of course, stories where I've ended up referring the client elsewhere. I uh, just found it to be more appropriate to refer out. And you're going to hear the specific criteria that I tend to run a client through to see if we're going to be able to work together or not, which admittedly you're going to hear in this session, it's the same criteria that I use if I can work with a child or not. I'm not one of those people that can begin to group things down into specific categories to say, um, well, English has to be their second language, but not their third or fourth. And not that I've heard that one before, but it kind of follows the same thinking about working with children uh, that perhaps ages six and up are appropriate. And as you're going to hear from me, it always comes down to, can I get you to buy into a hypnotic contract? What's the value of the change? How do you want things to be differently? And from that, that's going to tell me everything I need to know, whether we can work together or not. So let's jump directly into this content, session number 32, Foreign Language Hypnosis Clients. So the question would often pop up about people coming in where English is a second or even a third or fourth language. And my answer typically becomes, let's go back to the core of the process. Can we effectively communicate? Can we carry on a conversation? And can I get you in our conversation to emotionally buy into the value of the change? And I'll give you a few examples of that to really illustrate this. Um, woman calls up. She has a fear of driving on highways. And we're talking about this, and I'm then asking my deciding question, how do you want things to be different? How do you want to feel differently than you feel right now? And no matter how many ways I ask the question, no matter how many paraphrases and synonyms I can come up with, how do you want to feel when you're driving? Oh, it's horrible. I just feel terrible when I'm driving. And I don't want it to get into an accusing or even a negative tone. Yes, thank you. I hear what you're saying. But, using the word but intentionally, let me ask you again. That's how it's been up until now. How would you rather things be different for you? How would you rather feel? Oh, the other day when I was driving, it was horrible and I felt bad. I had to pull over and just cry. And I just reiterated the pattern again. 
Yes, I hear what you're saying. Notice I'm saying I hear what you're saying, not I understand what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but let me ask you, and I'm just repeating it over and over, and I get to a point where I just comfortably ask her, what's your native language? What language are you the most comfortable with? And by luck, she says Polish, and I know a person in the local area who speaks fluent Polish. And I made the referral, I wish you the best, he's wonderful. There's another guy who called me up at one point, and if you've seen or read, uh, there's a book first, um, Julia Roberts was the movie, she goes to uh, Eat, Pray, Love. And it's this guy who, that basically was his story. He was the handsome Italian guy that hears this woman who suddenly is uh, vacationing over there long term, meets this guy half her age, and falls in love and brings him back here. Now, in his story, though, he's in his early 20s, she's in her late 40s, and she has three teenage kids. And he's now in the house. And in his words, and I won't even attempt to do an accent for the story, but I will model the broken English that was there. He spoke English, but not that great. I'm on your website. My English is not good. I get angry way too quickly around these teenagers. I see you work with children. My English only as good as 10-year-old. Can you do for me anger what you would do for 10-year-old? And I go, your English is actually really good. And I heard the buy-in. I heard the contract right away. Come on in. Now, he was fun because at the first point, he was very nervous that he wouldn't understand what I was saying. Now, the obvious statement is if you're working with someone that English is a second, third, or fourth language and it seems they're not as fluent, very obviously, you might want to slow down your language. You might want to make sure your words are a little bit more crisp and clear just for better clarity, which in general is good advice anyway. So I played with him for a moment to go, you know what, there's this thing in hypnosis that we talk about. It has a fancy word, we call it an idiomotor response. We don't need to get into the actual term, but what it basically means is an automatic physical reaction. Does that make sense? And he's, yes, oh yes. So we're gonna do something today that's really interesting. I'm gonna make it so if I ever use a word that you don't know, your right index finger, that right pointer finger will pop up on its own. You won't have to think about it. We'll set it up so it happens on its own. Isn't that neat? And he goes, you can do that? Yes. And we set that up. I gave that suggestion. We conditioned it, which is something we'll learn later in this course of how to do that. And this is the only time I've ever done this one. And sure enough, and that made him very feel safe. Uh, he was still a little nervous about the language barrier, but I simply told him, it's okay, because we're going to set it up. If a word ever comes out that you don't recognize, that little finger will just pop up on its own. You don't have to think about it. We'll just make it happen so it happens automatically. Sound good? And he's on board now. And we do the session, and admittedly, his English was a lot better than he was giving himself credit for. Uh, excuse me, but again, I was slowing down the language. I was being a lot more crisp and clear with my language and my choice of words. If I was coming to a word in my mind that I thought might have been a challenge, I was making the adjustments on the fly and just modifying where it needed to be. And only one point ever did the finger pop up. And it was because I used a word that we're all now very familiar with, of compounding. And I just said, let, the word, let this change just compound more and more with each and every day that 
finger popped up. Just let this change grow up more and more. That's what I mean by that word, the word compassion. And I just began to, as if I was talking to my daughter, who's now three and a half, and teaching her a new word um, in a very respectful way. Oh, the word compound just means for something to grow more and more. As you let these changes grow more and more, as you understand that, you can let that finger lower down easily. Pop down. His feedback he left me after the fact was kind of funny. He goes, not only did I uh, learn how to control my anger and feel better in my new environments, I also learned a new word. <laughs> now, the exception to all of this is a really interesting story. Uh, my very first age regression I ever did professionally, as in a client found me on their own, called me up, booked me, and came into the office. Um, was someone for fear of flying. And the story goes that um, when she was like 24, the family immigrated from Germany to the United States. Now, she's in her mid-50s. English was flawless, a hint of an accent, but no issue. So this story is kind of out of the context of what I'm talking about right now, but it has a nice note in terms of it. So again, the picture I'm painting for you is it's the first time I'm doing an age regression with a paying client who wasn't by way of just people that I indirectly knew. She found me on her own. She's in the office, which puts a little bit of weight on the story, um, but makes the next part a little bit more interesting because in age regression, remember I talked about the difference between remembering and revivifying. So all of a sudden I'm in this moment be there in that experience as a daytime or nighttime. The picture I'm basically going to get here, her story, is she's about four or five years old. She's fallen out of a stroller and she's hurt and the parents are in a hurry and dad takes off his belt, straps her to the stroller. This is back in the 1960s or 70s and this is before strollers and car seats, had, before car seats really, before strollers had like that five-point harness system that they all have now. So she's in just basically a bucket of fabric is what the stroller was, um, the umbrella strollers, if you've seen those, basically that without the harness. She falls out, she's injured, she's not really injured, she's cut up, she's scraped, she's scared, but parents are in a hurry, they're late for a train or something. Dad takes off belt, straps her to the stroller, uh, which in retrospect, she had issues driving on highways and ever since we cleared up the seatbelt <coughs> issue, both the fear of flying and that were gone as well. Kind of a fun story. However, there's a moment as soon as we're in the regression, I suddenly have a client in my chair speaking in German. And it's this moment of, well, that's new. <laughs> oh dear, what do you do? Uh, and this is where my little phrase I keep using came from. When all else fails, use suggestion. And all I simply did was, okay, and as I pick up this hand and drop it, you can speak in perfect English as if you knew it then as well. And then all of a sudden, as if I flipped a switch, she's speaking now in perfect English. Now, there isn't really, and I tell this story not to say, we will sometimes have these moments, and I've had this before on other clients, where they hadn't spoken the English, I had a man who hadn't spoken, uh, spoken Portuguese in about 30 years, and suddenly in the process could recall every bit of it. Uh, she still kept up with family, she was constantly speaking in English and German, and the, the fun characteristic of when she got angry about something, the obscenities would be in German, uh, <laughs> which you learn a language, those are the words you look for first, of course, because they're more fun. So she was still current with the language, 
But it's this moment where as she revivifies back into five years old, she's just now conversational back into German. And thankfully, that's the language I took three years of high school of, and I could at least recognize some of it to go. And I didn't attempt it because mine would be horrible at this point. Just, but again, when all else fails, apply suggestion was basically where I went. The Italian guy, if I use a word you don't recognize, we just installed an idiomata response. And with her, just suddenly, okay, if, as I pick up this hand and drop it, you can speak in English. And as soon as I did that, we were on track. So it was one of those moments of, well, that's interesting. What do you do? But just simply by thinking logically our way through the process, the entire process, compliance precedes suggestibility. We wouldn't have got to that point if she wasn't already following my instructions. So to simply give another suggestion at that point, it was an easy fix. But back to the original question about if we're working with someone where language is a real barrier, my filter is always, and this is my barrier working with kids as well. I've worked with four-year-olds that seem to be more put together than 40-year-olds. I've worked with nine-year-olds who can answer that question better than 59-year-olds. How do you want things to be different? How do, you want, how do you want to feel? You know, let's get into the context. How do you feel now? How would you rather feel? What are those things you're doing now? What are those things you'd rather be doing? And through those filters now, I know if I can work with that person. So again, the woman, the other ones too, I'd have people call up and, um, oh, I came to you. I want you to work with my mother, but she doesn't speak any English. She only speaks Spanish. Can I translate? And my answer is, well, yes, but I'd tell you, here's a local hypnotist who speaks fluent Spanish, and I think he's phenomenal. Why don't you give him a call? Just kind of a common sense response, I think. Um, so I'm completely okay with that. Could I work through an interpreter? I think so. Do I think some things may get lost and it may slow the process down? Absolutely. But I'm also not operating my business from a place of fear that I absolutely have to have every single person who comes in. I don't have to have every single person who calls me or fills out a form on my website. I'd also reference, and this is where I'm going to be a little different than others. Um, I had someone come to me at a local meetup recently and say, I'm doing a workshop and I'm doing a presentation in another country, mostly for an English-speaking audience. But his statement was, I'm going to also be working with people while I'm there without an interpreter using hypnosis to help them. And this is, again, where I may differ from others. And his line was, because it's all about the healing energy of the process and the intention, to which I can buy into that, but only to a quality of about maybe 20 or 30 percent. I think there still needs to be comprehension of the process. I think there still needs to be practitioner, client, and a comprehension, there still has to be something conscious to hang the process off of, in my opinion. Otherwise, and I say this without any sort of negative connotation, otherwise he may have only been in the role of the evangelist. That through the expectation, through the belief of the process, it's now filling in the gaps. And again, I say that with no negative connotations attached to it. If he was getting success in that moment, it's only because the belief and expectation were there. But the conviction and the expectation and the imagination, I don't think he'd have as high as a success in that environment 
as someone would who was just as effective as he is, and he's a very good hypnotist, uh, who also had comprehension as part of the process. I think there still needs to be that emotional, logical buy-in to the process as well. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. Hey, it's Jason Lynette here just with one last thing. Uh, I'd ask you this question. If your goal is to grow a hypnosis business, well, how's business going? If things are really not quite yet going the way you'd like them to go and the way they admittedly should be going, I've got a great resource for you. I put together something I call the 10-Day Hypnosis Business Challenge. It's 10 days of emails, 10 days of videos, 10 days of specific action steps that you can fold into your business to really start to revitalize and get better results. That's something that I offer to you absolutely free. Really easy to find, too. Just go over to worksmarthypnosis.com, scroll all the way down to the very bottom of the page, and there's a little space to share your email address and get that free resource. Again, it's the 10-Day Hypnosis Business Challenge, 10 days of videos, 10 days of specific action steps to revitalize your business. I look forward to hearing of your success very soon.